This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. We talked last week about the importance of why we come to the house of the Lord, and we talked, I'll give you five reasons. We come for the membership, the fellowship is family. We come to magnify the Lord. We come to be more mature in Christ, to build each other up. We come to find our ministry. The, the house of God gives us an opportunity to figure out what it is exactly that God's called us to, specifically as individuals, and the church gives us an opportunity to put that ministry into action. And then I told you, that we join together in the mission of the church. The mission being to go and seek and to save the lost, to reach those that are not church, to reach those that maybe have fallen off, maybe they've been a part of a church family before, but they're no longer a part of that fellowship. That's our mission, that's our goal. And I told you that next Sunday, September the 16th, is a national day of Back to Church Sunday. And all it is is simply a time that, a group of churches got together and they said, hey, this is the, the, second, uh, the third Sunday in September. And it's a time when schools have gone back in, vacations should be over. All the people that have fallen out of the consistency and the commitment of attending church, it's time for them to come back. And it's a time for us to take and focus on the idea of reaching people that maybe once were a part of a church, but they're no longer part of a church anymore. Or maybe they've, they've just kind of fallen off. Or maybe it's time for us to find somebody who doesn't know Jesus at all and bring them back to him. To bring them back to the fellowship of Christ. And so this morning, I want us to look at Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to discuss this a little deeper. We're going to look at four different actions That are part of the invite. Mark chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. It says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there were no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic man, a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoned, or that they reasoned thus with themselves. He said to them, Why do you reason about the things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out into the presence of them all, Matthew says he went and the multitudes, he went 
to the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I want to give you four actions that these men had to put into place to, to make the invite work. We look and we, we have to pay attention in the very uh, first verse. It says, and again he entered Capernaum and after some days it was heard that he was in the house. I wonder how many people actually ever receive notice or they ever receive information that Jesus is in the house. I wonder the house of God all over the, the country, all over the United States, even all over the world this morning that are gathered together on this recognized Sabbath. How many people actually receive notice that, hey, you need to show up because Jesus is going to be in the house? So right off the bat, we, we can look and we can see that, that when Jesus went into the house, it says immediately... There were many that gathered immediately. Well, that didn't just happen because he shows up and some supernatural alarm went off saying, hey, this is where Jesus is at. I got to go. For, uh, for many to have gathered, there had to have been an invitation passed. It had to have been somebody. I can kind of picture like a kid running around town knocking on the door. Hey, 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 did you hear Jesus is at the house? And he runs to the next door. Hey, 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 did you hear Jesus is at the house? For some way, shape, or form, invitations had to be given for immediately all these people to have showed up where Jesus was. So when we look at the house of God and we, we realize that this is the place where we are doing our very best, we have kind of taken on the mission of this church. The leadership has taken on the mission to do our very best to create an atmosphere of worship so that life change can take place. It's our job, not only ours that, that step up on this stage, but it's your job in this house of prayer, in this house of hope, this house of restoration. The atmosphere can't be set without you. So we together have to create that atmosphere of love, of peace, of hope. We can't change lives. All we can do is worship the Lord and through our worship allow the atmosphere to shift so that God can transform lives. Can he do it without us changing the atmosphere? Well, yeah, but it doesn't work the same way. When we change the atmosphere, we invite this awesomeness of God to come and fill the room in a much more powerful way than he was before you and I showed up. When we lift up the name of the Lord, when we magnify him like we talked about last week, the atmosphere begins to shift and it creates this opportunity then for God to change and transform lives, for the Holy Spirit to convict and change people's hearts. So I wonder, in today's church, not just us, I know probably a little bit about us, but even as a church as a whole, knowing that the mission of the church, knowing what we're here to do, knowing that we gather together to worship the Lord, and thousands and thousands and thousands of worship songs were sang, and people were worshiping all over the world today. How many people outside of the four walls of the church were given notice, hey, God's going to be in the house today? The invite has to happen. They don't know unless we tell them. So the people have gathered and they're there in the house and there's no room. And many people believe they were gathered in Peter's house. And the Bible says that there was no room for anybody else to come in, even to the door. Commentaries say that people were not only surrounding inside the house, they were not only around the door, but there were multitudes gathered trying to listen through the doors and windows just to hear Jesus teach. It says that he preached the word to them. 
He taught them the word of God. Everything that we do within the house, some way, shape, or form, it's not going to be a sermon always preached behind this pulpit. But we preach the word through our lives and through the ministry of Jesus, loving people into this relationship. So it's, there's these, these four men who have came bringing a paralytic who was carried on a bed. So the first action that we see take place is the bringing of the paralytic. The, the paralytic man, the Lord kind of showed me in this special way, represents somebody who's lost. Because if you don't know Christ, and if you're not living this life with Christ, you might as well be paralyzed. And we know that the freedom comes through the salvation. Freedom comes through Christ when we accept Him. Freedom comes and we now have a liberty that can't be explained. We're now free to worship. We're now free from our sins. We're no longer a slave to fear. Because when we're made a child of God, He wipes away all bondage. And we're no longer a slave to anything but to His love. So the very first and foremost thing we have to realize is the paralytic man represents somebody that does not know Jesus. Or maybe even to the extent that somebody that, that maybe they did know Jesus, but the relationship is no longer thriving as it once was. I don't know about you, but to be in a place that you can't move is no fun. I've never been paralyzed, but I've had times when I've woke up in the middle of the night and I've laid on my arm wrong and I can't move it. You ever been like that? I, you look at it and you tell it to get up and it won't get up. And so you reach down and you have to pick it up with your other hand and, you, and it just flops back down. You ever been like that? You realize at that moment how much your arm really weighs? It's lifeless. And the Bible doesn't tell us that this man was in some terrible despair. It doesn't tell us that he was suffering terribly. There's another place in Scripture that talks about another man that can't move, that he's suffering terribly. The Bible doesn't teach us that this man specifically was suffering in some way. He was paralyzed. He was immobilized of life. And that's exactly what happens when somebody doesn't have the life with Christ that they should. You're stuck. You're stuck in a rut. You're immobilized. And so somebody that's immobilized, somebody that's paralyzed, needs somebody like you and me to be willing to pick up their bed and take them to the house of God. They can't do it on their own. And so we see these men bringing the paralytic to Jesus. They get there and they think, oh, if we can only get him to Jesus. We don't ever see that this paralytic has to be taken to Jesus. It wasn't like the man that's sitting beside the pool waiting, hey, can somebody please put me in the pool to be healed? We don't ever see this man ask for help. His buddies, his friends are smart enough to know that he's paralyzed. He needs a touch from God. You and I have to be knowledgeable enough. We have to be spirit-filled enough. We have to be following the leading of the Holy Spirit to know, hey, they need God. So they make it to the house, and there's no way to get into Jesus. So they say, well, somehow we've got to get him in the presence of the Lord. So they climb up on the roof, 
And they begin to take this roof, this house apart. And they begin to dig down. And so the second action we see them doing is they're breaking through, as Scripture tells us. Well, what does that mean for us? Well, they didn't give up on getting this man to the house. They've brought him. We, we see them bringing him there. And the first thought is, oh, the house is full. Let's go. I don't like to wait. If we go to a restaurant and we have to sit down and they tell us that, <laughs> that we've got an hour and a half wait, Mitch is like, no, nah, we don't. We'll go to cookout. I don't like to wait. I'm not the person that's going to sit and wait hours and hours to sit for 45 minutes and eat a meal. I'm the guy that when we go to Carowinds, and the point of going to Carowinds is to ride roller coasters. I don't go to Carowinds to wait in line for hours and hours and hours. So I will pay the extra money. If I'm going to spend the money to go anyway, I'll buy the, the pass, the power pass or whatever it's called now, so that I can skip the line and I ride over and over and over. I sure don't want to pay and go stay in the heat all day long to ride four different roller coasters. It don't work for me. So if I see myself as bringing this paralytic to Jesus, and I walk up, I'm like, whoa, this ain't going to work. We got to do something different. My human mindset says turn around and walk back the other way. And that's what we want to do when we invite somebody or we're pushing, we're praying for somebody. When it finally gets to the point that we feel rejection and we feel like there's a wall in front of us, we just give up and turn around and go the other way. Scripture says that these guys climbed up on the roof, they started taking it apart, and it says that they broke through the roof. There was work involved. It couldn't stop just because they couldn't walk right into Jesus. So when we're looking at this idea of inviting people to the presence, to the house, when we're trying our best to bring somebody to God, absolutely there's going to be restrictions. Absolutely they're going to have up roadblocks. If they didn't, they'd already been in church. We're probably trying to break down some hurt that they were given by somebody else a long time ago. Truth be told. And we're probably going to take the rejection. We're probably going to take the, the hurt. And we're probably going to be talked to in a way. Or we're going to feel like it's something we did and it has nothing to do with us. These guys couldn't get to Jesus. It wasn't at all because of them. It was because of the rest of the crowd. And chances are the crowd is what's keeping somebody out of their life with Jesus. But they broke through. And it says that they lowered him down. You know, look at the crowd. I've had times when I've had people that I've wanted to invite to church, but have hesitated. Not because I didn't know that God could move in their life, not because I didn't think they would even receive, but because of the crowd. That's a shame. If we're not careful, we become the crowd. 
and we pack our house to the point that nobody else feels like they can walk in the door. There's so many churches, so many faithful Christian believers that want people to come into their church doors. But when somebody comes up, all they see is a church that's already packed, not because the pews are full, but because there's this certain kind of people. They all look a certain way. They all talk a certain way. Or maybe they all think a certain way. And so rather than breaking through on their own, they turn around and walk off. It might be that you and I have to break through the crowd for our paralytic friend. See, when they got him down in front of Jesus, could you imagine kind of just being in the house? I mean, all these people are gathered around, and I'm sure Jesus was teaching, and he was talking about some kind of plan or something because he's teaching in parables the way that he always does, and it's something that wasn't just right there at your face, but he's telling some kind of story, and he's talking about fish or trees or something, I'm sure, to elaborate on the Word of God. And just in the middle of what he's doing, bloop, there's this man laying lifeless, immobile, on a bed. Where'd you come from, dude? In your Bible, if it's anything like my Bible, says that when he saw their faith, because not only are they bringing him, not only are they breaking through, but now they're believing for him. Nowhere In all three of the Gospels do I see that Jesus saw the faith of the paralytic. He saw their faith. The ones that have brought him. The ones that have broke through the crowd. The ones that have figured out how in the world to get him. They got creative. Sometimes you and I got to get creative to get somebody here. We're doing our best to to create different thought processes and different ideas. We have family day. We have Generation Sunday. We're having this big cookout uh, the 23rd of September. It ain't because we're trying to do all this for you and I. It's to try to be creative, to create creative opportunities to get somebody to the house that wouldn't be here otherwise. That's the point. That's the heart. That's the vision behind what we're doing. Anything you see ain't just because we want extra work to do. I'm just being real with you. It is doing anything we can can think of under the leading and, and the wisdom of understanding of God and what our purpose is to somehow create something. The reason that we're pouring into our kids, the reason we're pouring into our youth, that these different things is to try to create some place, something that may be a little bit different out of the ordinary, that somebody would come. So the Bible says that he saw their faith. It wasn't the paralytic's faith that healed him. I have no doubt, not that if, but when, I get my one in here that I've been working on so hard that I'm praying for, that I'm seeking the Lord hard for. I have no doubt when I ever get him to walk through the door, he is going to have this much faith. He already has this much faith. 
How, how can I expect him to have any more faith? He don't know. He's paralyzed. If I expect him to believe God and I expect him to believe and receive who God is and I expect him to live this certain way, I'm stupid. I'm the dumb one. He's paralyzed. This paralytic man these guys are carrying in can't carry himself to Jesus. He really don't even know. We have no evidence whatsoever of him believing that God can even heal him. If we are naive enough to expect our paralytic that God's pushing us to pull to the presence of God. If we're naive enough to think they have the faith, we're the ones mistaken. It's not going to be there. If it was, they'd be here this morning. They believed for the man. They brought him to the house. They broke through the barriers. They broke through the crowd. They did whatever they had to do to get him to the presence of Jesus. They believed for him because there was no way he was going to believe for himself. Now that means there might have to be some extra faith put in on your part and my part. Because sometimes it's hard enough just to believe for me. Right? Sometimes it's hard enough just to have recognize that I have enough to carry me through the day. So for me to fulfill the mission, for me to fulfill the call of seeking and saving the lost, that means I best have done my very best to put in the extra work to not only have enough for me to have enough to give somebody else who don't have none, might not even want it. But the results are the belonging. Jesus looked at the paralytic man After he's watched him drop from the roof, he's looked around and saw their faith. We don't ever really even see that they dropped into the, the roof with him. We see where they dropped him down. And Jesus looked up and sees their faith. And he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. The action that it took on their part now allows this man to belong. Them being willing to bring him. Them being willing to break through the barrier. The whole way believing for this man. Now allows him to belong to the family of God. He didn't look at him and says, Hey, paralytic, rise up, take your bed and walk. He didn't even look and say, hey, dude, you're forgiven. He looked at him and he said, son, your sins are forgiven. So now where this paralytic man had no place to belong, he's immobile, he can go nowhere, he's got his small circle. Now like we talked about last week, the membership of the church, he now has a place to belong. He belongs in the family of God. And every person that you know, every person that I can think of, belongs in the family of God. Whether they're there or not, it's a different story. But it's where they belong. 
And I look at this story and I've thought all week, it's up to me. Because the paralytic couldn't do it on his own. It's easy for us to say, hey, how you doing? You need to come check out the church and walk off and that'd be the end of it. It's even easy for us to say, hey, man, God is so good to me. And turn around and that'd be the end of it. But there's more to this process. And you know, you, we read a minute ago that the Pharisees and the religious teachers were sitting around and they were grumbling amongst themselves and they had an issue with the fact that Jesus told the man that his sins were forgiven. And they weren't wrong. It's easy for us to push blame on them and it's easy for us to, to blame them, all their, their law. They're, they weren't wrong. They were absolutely supportive of the law. What their problem was was they didn't recognize Jesus himself. They had not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And so they're grumbling, and Jesus knows because he knows all. It says that he recognized in his spirit their struggle. And so he says, well, what's easier for me to do? Tell him his sins are forgiven or tell him to get up and walk? When we ever get our paralytic to the house... It would have been easy for Jesus to say, hey, get up and walk. I don't know that the man even knew when Jesus said, hey, son, your sins are forgiven. I don't even know that he knew he could walk after that point. I believe that he could, absolutely. When Jesus spoke, he was healed. The sin was gone out of his life. The, the curse of sin that had come from mankind was now broken. He was no longer a slave to that. I believe wholeheartedly he could walk at that point. Whether he knew it or not, it's a different story. I don't, I don't know. But what we have to understand is when we bring a paralytic into the house, it's not going to be an instant physical change. Maybe it is, but chances are they're not going to live in that instant physical change. Because the first step to this process was the forgiveness. I would think that those guys probably shook their head a little bit. You know, Jesus, we brought him here. We broke through the barriers. We believed, and you don't steal your answer to him is, son, your sins are forgiven. Because us, as people, and specifically in our culture, we want to see this instant shift. And if we're not careful, we even want to see somebody clean up before they ever even make it to the house. Well, if that were the case, then the man should have been able to walk to Jesus on his own. But he couldn't. Jesus touched his spirit man first. He forgave him of his sin first. And then allowed him to live into this new life in the physical. You with me? That's deep. You and I can't expect our paralytic to walk up in the house and just because they make it to the house and just even because they have some movement with God 
for their life to completely transform overnight. It doesn't work that way. Yours didn't. Mine did not. I'm still striving to be better each day. But he belongs. God will work. and God will do his part. If we make it to getting into the house. Would you stand with me? You know, you and I, maybe not you, but I have been so guilty of trying to put all the action on the paralytic. I've had family that I've invited to church. I've had family that I've wanted to see belong in the family of God. I've wanted to see them belong in, in the house and in God's presence. But the Lord pushed me through this passage of scripture none of the action was on the paralytic none of it the four friends brought him they broke through and they believed for him and then Jesus allowed him to belong Paralytic did nothing. So the wake-up call for me was that if I'm going to see the paralytics in my life come to the healing that I know God has for them, it's not going to happen because of anything that they did. thing that you and I did to accept salvation and accept Jesus was just open ourselves up to him there was no other action required chances are when he healed us and he forgave us our life didn't turn around altogether but all we had to do was open up and make it to the presence of God you and I don't make a difference you think about your close circle the people in your family, the people you work with the people you see day to day if you're anything like me my circle is, is pretty big when I consider my, my family that's huge when I consider my work circle I service 12 different elementary and middle schools that have anywhere from 30 to 60 to 70 teachers per school 
But even in that big of a circle, it's still a closed circle. Sure, I may see somebody different at the McDonald's drive through Chances are, though, that's the same person, too. When I go to Walmart, normally I go through the same checkout line of chances are when I go five times out of ten, it's the same lady checking us out. It doesn't matter whether your circle's really big or whether your circle's really small, you got a circle. And other than those circles, other than just a handful of people that make their way in and out of your life, those people are the people that really contact you, that have some way, shape, or form of communication with you. So if your life depended on one of them and none of them would make contact with you, you've got a really off chance with just a few people working their way in and out of your life that would make a difference. Does that make sense? So the same way you've got a close circle, the person in your circle's got a close circle. And you're blessed enough to be a part of their circle. But what if you're the one in the circle that's supposed to make a difference for them? There's not this wide open opportunity for all these people flooding in to make a difference in each other's life. It doesn't work that way. And I'm not trying to, the the goal of this is not that we guilt each other. I'm right here with you. I was challenged by this passage of scripture that I, for far too long, have put the action on the paralytic I walked up and I was rejected and I may have been rejected two or three times before I quit, but I quit. And if we're not careful, we do that. But we can't stop pushing. We can't stop believing. We sure can't stop trying to break through. I want to ask that if you're physically able this morning, would you come and join me right here on this altar? Brian and Valerie, you guys are going to help me out. Somehow, some way, you and I are here because somebody brought us. You and I are here because somebody finally broke through whatever the barrier was for us. You and I are here because somebody believed for us. Because when you're a non-believer, you don't believe. The only reason we're here is because somebody did these things for us. And it gives us the opportunity to belong. And there's a place The front of it says we're family Will you come join us On the flip side of it There's a place that says you've been invited by And there's a blank for you to write your name With a sharpie And this morning what We're going to do Is when you sign your name to that card I want you to prayerfully Write your name on that card. 
that's a commitment that we're going to take that card and we're going to pray over that card. We're going to we're going to figure out who our paralytic is. You know already, I do. I've had three or four different ones on my heart since I started this thought process. Since these cards were ordered, I knew exactly. Micah's already figured out. She knew the Lord just has started opening up our heart and our mind to who we've got to give these cards to. But we're going to write our name on this card. And we're committing ourselves to doing our very, very best of bringing our paralytic to the house. To breaking through whatever barriers, whatever hurt. We're going to have to get creative. It don't work just to, just to keep doing the same thing over and over. Somebody said that's the definition, I think, of what? Insanity, to do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It don't work. Do what we've got to do to break through and believe with everything that we can that that paralytic's going to get up in the wall when they hit the presence of God. So you guys can start passing out those cards. If you want more than one, grab more than one. There was a hundred of these cards printed. And if we look at just statistics, if all 100 of these cards make it to a different family, then we should have 25 families come to the house. I want you to take your card, and whether you want to spend some time right here in the altar, whether you want to step back to your seat, wherever you want to go, I want you to take some time and pray for your paralytic. Take some time and pray that God would, would begin to give you this new desire and this new boldness, this new courage, this drive not to stop bringing, not to stop breaking through, and not to stop believing. committed ourselves that God would use this simple tool, just this simple creative tool as some way of breakthrough Father I thank you Lord for your word God I thank you God that you've given us this message, you've given us this heart, Lord that you've given each one of us an opportunity within our circle of people to minister, to, to connect to somehow grow people to you Lord God, and I pray that as we've signed these cards, we've signed these invitations with our personal name on it, God, we've made it personal this morning. God, that it's not a blanket invitation from this church, God, but it's simply a personal invitation that we would connect with our paralytic and we would fight through, we would bring them, we would break through the barriers, God. We would believe for them, understanding that they can't believe for themselves. They can't thrive in you. They're not thriving in who you are. They're paralyzed in their life with you. God, we pour our hearts out this morning, Lord, as we seek and seek your face. God, we seek your direction. We seek your courage. 
Holy Spirit, that you would give us boldness to go forth with power to do this thing you've called us to do. Father, we're believing that we're going to see lives transformed. God, we're going to see family members that have been lost come to the house, come to your presence. We're going to see co-workers that need you, that need to be touched, that need you in their lives, that need you in their families. We're going to see them come to know you. We're going to see them come to the house and belong. Lord, we hear your heart this morning that you're your desire is that each one of us belong in your family. Lord, you've already accepted us. You've already adopted us. It's just the fact that we have to accept you. God, I believe that we're going to see results. Lord, it's not about the numbers of the people that walk through our doors, God, but it's about the numbers of people that come to know you. Lord, whether they're here in this church or whether they make their way to another, it, it doesn't matter, God, as long as they're a part of your family. Lord, and as your word tells us that this paralytic, when he was healed and his physical body was healed and he took up his bed, he carried his own burdens out of the way. Lord, he went to the multitudes and the multitudes' lives were changed. Lord, and I pray that us as your children as we bring our paralytic God that multitudes of lives would be changed by the, the heart that we put in to see in our paralytic saved God we know it's a ripple effect it's an effect that, that our circle will touch another circle, will touch another circle of people through the people that we just simply bring to the house God the effect that could take place in the lives that could be touched, God, is beyond our understanding. Lord, but we understand this morning it requires action. God, and I pray that we act. We act on your word this morning. I thank you, Father. I give you praise. I give you honor. The Holy Spirit just dropped it me this morning that we just would give the Lord praise right now. That Would you just clap your hands and praise the Lord for the paralytics that are going to be raised up and begin to walk, believing in, Father, we praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah, we love you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we praise you for those lives that we know are going to be touched, that we know are going to be changed through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. 